Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbutrary. Alex. The podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. And as always, I'm here with Mr. Casey Clapp. Well, hello. Hi, Case. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing well. I'm going to actually turn us down a little Aww. bit. A little hot. Um, I'm doing I'm doing okay, Casey. It is, uh, as you know, Halloween is upon us. It is. That is correct. The spooky month is upon us. Today is essentially Halloween. Essentially. Basically. Today plus like four or five days. Which is usually what I do. I think today is, as I usually refer to it, plus or minus four days. You know, that's a. I think that's like a millennial thing is being really? like, it's my birthday month or it's my oh, birthday week. Like yeah. kind of extending celebrations mm-hmm. past just the day that they happen. Yeah, it's true. There's we have no... so little else to hold on to. We're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend the whole month celebrating this yeah, thing. Yeah, you know what? This whole year is my birthday year. Yeah, you know what? It's true. Every year is my birthday year. Yeah. Treat every day like it's your birthday. Now, that is... It's a little self-serving, don't you think? That means I get cake every day. Every day. Yeah. Get offended if anyone doesn't tell you happy birthday on yes. that d- given day. Of course I do. <laughs> hey, you know what? Don't be so rude. It's my birthday. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's your birthday like two months ago. Uh, no, don't give me a bill for my meal. It's my birthday. Oh, that that is that would be good, though. Just mm-hmm. keep doing that so everyone's like, oh, all right. Well, you know what? We're going to give you this dessert for That's free. That's right. And you just constantly get that no one checks. I don't know why people don't do that more. Mm. It's a little skeezy. That's it why. is a little skeezy. It's morally yeah. uh, gray. Uh, I think gray is, it's probably, it's, it's on the, I think the hue probably, it's like, uh, what, I'm sorry, it's a shade. The dark gray? It, it's a darker gray. Okay. That shade of gray, it's on the kinkier side. Hey, Casey. Yeah. Speaking of grays, mm-hmm. today oh. we are talking about. Look at that. A great tree. That is kind of gray. Yes, it is. And this is the... Now, make sure you're not easily scared here. Yeah. I'll say it really fast. The ghost pine. (gasps) Alex, what's behind you? (gasps) Oh, my God. Casey, what's the uh, scientific name of this one? Oh, this is Pinus sabiniana. Sabiniana. Yes. More on that later. Oh, wow. I'm very excited to talk about that. I am so excited to talk about this one. It's a bit of a, I'm kind of proud of us because we've created a bit of synergy here. Yes, we have. Because our current Cone of the Month Club cone. Yes, which as of today, you have one, two, three, four days left. That's to right. Sign up for. Patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. Join the Cone of the Month Club and you get cones by amazing artists sent to mm-hmm. you every month as stickers. That's you can right. put them on stuff. You can collect them, whatever. Uh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you do with your cone is your business. In a literal sense, your cones are your own. Wow. Mm-hmm. But this month's cone is the Ghost Pine by 
our favorite uh, human and artist, Leanne Flug. Yes, a uh, goddamn delight. A wonderful person and a very talented artist. Uh, you can find a picture of that on the Instagram, and I bet you you'll be sold. So today, we are talking ghost pine, Pinus sylvaniana. 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 Mm-hmm. But we got to do it after a very spooky ad break. We yeah. will be right back with completely our boo tray. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Welcome back to completely our boo trary. I should commit, you know. You really should. Why are you not? I think you have. Completely our boo trary. Oh, that's the commitment. Like acting. Oh, I do like you. Like like uh, being almost a uh, an announcer who just reads everything, but like doesn't... it's an obligation. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome back to completely our boo trary. We have brought to you by boo- Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. And was like, well, he really did not sell that, <laughs> but I kind of dig. I kind of dig the undersale here. Uh, today we are talking ghost pine. That's right. The- I'm surprised you are even gonna be. Uh, or listen to this episode, Casey, because Why? because before the break, oh, you and I went on a twenty minute tangent. That's true. Where I learned something about you that yes. you were very afraid of uh, ghosts. I am. I am. I'm afraid of ghosts. Uh, I don't like uh, spooky, spooky behavior. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> spooky behavior. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's yeah. is a holiday that historically I have been like disinclined to really enjoy because everyone's like, oh, you want to go to a haunted mansion? Right. And I'm like, no, no, no absolutely not. Yeah, no. yeah, I don't want to go to that thing. I don't want to get scared. I don't enjoy it. And I will go to the bar and drink a beer. I'll see you at the end. Well, <laughs> this this might be the perfect way for you to enjoy the spooky season <laughs> Just, to talk about the ghost pine. All right, Alex, I'll see you later. Uh, have fun with the podcast. I'll see you when it's done. Let me know when we're giving our rating. Uh, let's imagine as we do every episode that we are walking around, say, well, I know of a heritage tree in Portland you that do. is a ghost pine mm-hmm. over there in the Overlook District. I think we should be walking around a, a cemetery. Let's walk around a cemetery. And there's some ghost pines. Yep. Let's ID this tree. All right, Alex. So the first thing you'll notice that it's a very ephemeral, ethereal tree. Wow. You see it and you'll be like, did I see that? <laughs> You know, I will say it is wispy. It is. It is. It's very wispy. And I guess we should also know that this is, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the name a little bit later, but a lot of people might know this as the gray pine or yeah. the ghost pine. I personally, if you say, hey, w- of these two names, which do you choose? 
It's going to be Ghost Prime. That's easy. It's such a cool name. Yeah. So that is why if anyone's like, oh, well, I get what you're doing, but you're not using like the name that most people use, sorry. This is an artistic choice. You, you have to have some fun. Thank you. I agree with you entirely. Thank you. This is a tree that is a pine tree. Another conifer. We have not done a conifer, I don't think, in a long time, so I'm happy really? to do that. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. That's shocking to yeah, me. Yeah, it is. It's shocking to most people, I think. Well, let's talk about the overall morphology of this let's tree. Let's do it, Alex. So this is a tree that grows in a way that's different than most pines. Hmm. So you generally expect a pine tree grows up with a single stem. It has branches coming out left and right, left and right. Sure. Creates this conical habit. Our tree, the ghost pine, does not do that. Wow. Pinus sabiniana is a tree that grows in the, essentially think of the, the, the foothills that are around the central valley of California. Okay. All of the hills and valleys, or the hills around that valley, is the habitat for this tree. Interesting. They don't grow on the very ground on the bottom of that valley, and they don't grow up in the higher hills above it. They grow just in this kind of meso area that's not only hot and dry, but it's also not quite super duper hot and dry, and it's not quite super duper hot, yet kind of wet. Okay. So they have this nice little kind of medium habitat. And they grow up with multiple stems, which is, I think, really kind of interesting. They end up growing one stem that starts it out, but then all their other branches continue to grow up and out. So they have this very, everything's growing up and out in a bush-like fashion. And even the, some of the younger, uh, or the, the lowest limbs, not younger, they grow up and out and become full stems in and of themselves. Yeah, it looks a little, I mean, it looks a little uh, broadleaf-like. It does, yeah. It's morphology. Right? It has much more of a, uh, a decurrent look rather yes. than excurrent. Excurrent wow. being that perfect triangle that you expect. And the decurrent would be more growing up and out like a broadleaf tree. Thank you. So um, they also tend not to grow very straight. They kind of always have a little bit of a lean on them. I don't know if this is really a tell that's like for whatever reason, like madrone, you know, they just, you'll never find a straight madrone growing like a, an oak or a maple. Sure. You also will not generally find these trees growing as like this perfect archetypal upright tree. Interesting. Is that is that more uh, nature or nurture? You know, I think this is probably. I guess it's all nature for poor, trees. More nature, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do I answer this question? It, it, you reckon that's like in their DNA, or if that's like uh, an environmental mm, response? Yeah, I think it's probably more in their DNA, where I think that they are just they just grow up and out, kind of like big, big shrubby things. Okay. Now they do have a single stem most often that then branches into these other stems, but. It, it is it's it's casual enough where I think you can call this this uh, a unique habit. Cool, you know. So that is what you're going to see from afar. They don't get very tall. That is uh, kind of a fun thing based on where they they grow because they grow in this messic kind of dry habitat. So things don't grow giantly tall in those kinds of habitats because hmm. it's, it's mostly just a lot of work getting water up there. Sure. So, it's, it's also dry. Exactly. Is that so, why you're, yeah, that's yeah, it's why. Yeah, it's a little bit both. So the higher you grow, the more you have to work to get your small amount of water way up to the top of your tree. Um, so it's just trees tend to grow a little bit slower. Uh, they only get to about 70 feet or so. Hmm. So they're not giant trees by any means. They're not competing necessarily for yeah, light. Not really. They compete a lot with oaks actually. Oh. So they are a chaparral species. Chaparral meaning like low, dense growing shrubby tree things. Okay. And they will grow in the higher 
uh, latitude section where a lot of this is like very classically Southern California is very known for its chaparral. Mm. And so they grow with a lot of oak species. So mostly oaks in these pines are where you're going to find or what you're going to find in this kind of ring around the Central Valley. Okay. So they are gorgeous, gorgeous trees. I think because their foliage, and you can see this from afar, you can pick them out from afar as like these these patches, almost like uh, you see someone with like a blonde patch of hair. Yeah. Everywhere else is is some other brownish color. Sure. This is exactly that, where you see like like these darker blues, like like greens, so like so dark blue that they're they're very like you can't tell that they're not green. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like this splash of light gray. Yeah. And then you see a splash of light gray over there because they don't always grow in like groves where there's like a whole forest of them. Okay. There's just like there's one. Oh, there's a few. There's another. There's one, and they're just you can see them, and you're like, whoa, what is that thing over there? They are they earn the name gray pine. They really do. It's it's a fantastic, perfect name for them. And on top of this, as you get closer to those adorable little needles, you'll find that they are needles in bundles of three. That's right, three needles, and they're long, like like probably about a foot or a little bit less. Oh my god! Yeah, so about thirty centimeters or so is the their highest level it's a big ass needle i feel like in general pine needles are longer than other conifers am i right yes i think you are okay there are very few that reach the lengths of long pine needles yeah yeah like any fur anything like that nah they stay really short right yeah, spruce good, also yeah definitely it's a good observation alex well, there you go. i had not thought about that I'm not the first person to say it i'm sure <laughs> can we can we breeze past the needles they're three needles cool they three okay next question but i want to talk about it's almost like Coulter has like a mm. creepy evil twin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a, a smaller twin. It's like a little brother. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the little brother that. Uh, what what is now? Nah, I was gonna think of a good metaphor based on a Danny DeVito and John Travolta movie, uh, but not not John twins. Travolta. No, twins. Uh, but it's not Arnold, it's, Schwarzenegger. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, <laughs> but I like this tree more than saying it was made with the shit left over. <laughs> so. I don't think it's appropriate to call this the Danny DeVito of, yes. of, the, the, of the pair. Thank you. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that the pine, that, excuse me, the cone of yeah. the ghost pine is just like a mini little gray it's version extraordinary. of a coulter pine. Now, Casey is rummaging in his rucksack. And of course, ah. he is producing a ghost pine Here, cone. Here, Alex, catch. Oh, my God. I'm not going to throw it. You'd, you'd hurt yourself. I didn't, not, even, not I didn't because... even flinch because I knew you wouldn't do it. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> this is it. All right. I'm going to hand it to you. Oh, okay. Casey's handing me this ghost pine cone. I'll say right off the bat, it is softer around the edges than its Coulter brother. Yes, it totally is. Yeah, yeah. And they tend to not be as wow. as tall. And the way that I've always imagined is that uh, Coulter pine, um, it's way longer. It tends to be more of a very light tan orangish color. Yeah. And the the ghost pine, the cones are far smaller, like almost uh, three quarters the size or half the size. Mm-hmm. And they have their, their scales come out and then they go down and then they have little bits that pop out where the coulter pine tends to have these longer scales that kind of come a little bit more up yeah. and then their barbed like uh, their, their hooks it's like cat claws are way longer and extend further up they're armed umbos exactly they're armed umbos Alex well done thank you so, uh, can we get a little asthma here oh yeah oh yeah 
terrifying. It's very spooky. It's like one of these one of these resonates really well. <laughs> it resonates with me for sure. Is this good podcasting? This is great podcasting. <laughs> Me plucking cone scales. They uh they are big cones. So the one you're having in your uh in your hand yeah. easily would be the size of a acorn squash. I was gonna say like a human skull. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was holding it up in an alas poor York style. Mm, thing. Yeah. You are. It is. It is one. It's a. It's a little bit small. I think overall. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Uh, it's 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 gonna hurt you if it falls for sure. Oh yeah, this isn't quite a widowmaker, but it at least is gonna put you in the hospital. Yes, and they're very closely related. I should note to the yes. coulter pine. So coulter pine, tory pine, and the ghost pine—they're all a part of the uh, one subfamily or subsection of the family Pinaceae. Okay. And they all grow in similar ways, where they're they grow in kind of hot, dry areas. They all grow to have like big cones that stay attached and they kind of grow outwards. I think coulter pine is the only one that really kind of maintains a very standard tree-like form. Yeah. All the rest kind of grow out and have forms that are not, not quite what you'd expect. Interesting. They're very, very strange in that regard, but it makes sense. They're all related. I kind of like that little, that little subsect. Oh yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of neat. I like when, I like when there's like just a little group of, I mean, especially pine is like, such a classic, mm. like, old house, you know? Yes, yeah, it's true. They are the Starks, aren't they? I would say so, yeah. I think that's very fair. And they have these, like, this little group of cousins out there in the sticks who, like, just do something different. It's yeah. it's nice to see a... It's nice to see a new take on an old classic, you know well, what I mean, Casey? that is very well said, <laughs> Alex. Completely agree. The bark, utility bark. There's nothing to it. It's fine. It's okay. It's got a little orange wow. fleck underneath it. But like it's not gonna it's not gonna blow you away. It's nice. If you put it next to a ponderosa, you're not even gonna see that orange flake. You're not even gonna see it. Yeah. You, the the orange flake is covered by a rough bark on the outside. Cool. So it's fine. The uh, the needles also I should note because we'll talk about this in a second. They hang down uh, and they're very they're very gray. So they have they have these this gray cast along the outside, but they're very droopy. Is that stomatal bloom? It is mostly stomatal bloom. Yeah. Okay. The gray, the grayness of it. Yeah, exactly. So if you rubbed it off, it would look like a green pine needle. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, stomatal okay. lines are on all sides of the needles. Wow. So they have three needles, which essentially take a, a circle and then cut it into three wedges. Right. And then they have stomatal bloom on all sides of those wedges on the wow. inside and on the outside. Wow. So exactly right. Interesting. Now these cones are generally going to be on the the stems and the twigs and they don't fall off for years sometimes wow so they will just be set on there and they are uh, laterally arranged is what it is, is what it's called laterally arranged yeah on so, the stem exactly okay what this means is that they kind of pop out on the same side of the branch every year. So if you're looking at a tree, they have like, here's a, here's one that's up here, and then a little bit lower down is another one, and then a little bit lower down is another one. Okay. Where they've all been put out on the on the twigs, and then as the twigs grow and get bigger and become more larger stems, you can see there's laterally these bup, 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 old, old cones, rather from new at the end to older cones going down the stem. Right. It's kind of interesting. I like, I like when 
when I like when that happens because it reminds me of like tree rings. Yeah. Like you can see the years go back, the cones from the yeah. past years. And you can see them decaying a little bit, yeah. kind of getting old, falling, or getting enclosed in the tree. That happens with some other species that do this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there a word for when the tree keeps the cones? Because I know that larches kind of do a similar thing. Yeah. They just say that the cones are persistent is persistent. the only term. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. not quite, uh, not quite what we're, not quite a, a technical term, I guess. That's one anthropomorphism I'm on board All with. right. Okay. Mark that down then. Very persistent cones. Uh, the other thing about these persistent cones is that they are uh, not serotonous. And this, I think, is something that's fascinating, which I think is a perfect dovetail into the next thing that we're going to be talking about. Wow. Essentially, they are growing in a space that's just warm enough and has just enough water, like 10 inches is kind of one of the minimums, Mm -hmm. that they are able to compete and grow and be successful. Everywhere lower is like valley bottoms that are just way drier and tend to not have as many big trees like pines. They would get like maybe a couple big oaks, valley oaks, something like that. Okay. And then as you go further up, you end up getting ponderosa pine and coulter pine taking, taking over when it gets just a little bit less dry. This is like, this is like, uh, they're like, hmm, in terms of class, uh-huh. they're sort of like that middle class that's like, you're not, you're not like poor enough to get benefits, <laughs> but you can't really afford anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fair. <laughs> there, this is the this is Speaking a middle class experience. tree. Speaking from experience, anyway, I really, uh, I really like. I see this tree where it's at. <laughs> do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm saying though? I think they're, so. Yeah, they're not quite in that valley where they can like it's like lush. They can really. Ooh, th- no, kind of opposite. The valley's way drier. Oh, well, I take it all back. Yeah, but no, I think it's fair. You're just going the opposite direction. So in the valley. It's very dry. It's a hard scrabble life. Okay. You, you can't really you can't really get a good amount of water in life. Smaller things, shrubs, grasses, they can do just fine. Mm-hmm. As you go up towards the top, everything gets a little bit more lush. And I say lush, but it's like a Mediterranean lush. So sure. you still have like climate that is very warm and dry for significant portions of the seasons. Okay. Okay. So it would be the same, Alex. I think. The only difference is it would get better as you go up rather than as you go down to the valley. You're telling me. Yeah. So work on getting up there, ghost pine. So the thing that I really was kind of like touching on earlier mm-hmm. about like how this tree's growing is something I want to talk about because I referred, I answered a question from somebody a while ago and I was a little remiss because I was like, I don't know this for sure, hmm. but I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer the question. And then I'm going to go back and look at it and then correct myself if I need to. (laughs) Every now and then I do that. I just sometimes get it right where I'm like, hmm, I have an educated guess. I'm going to give it to you. And then if I'm wrong, I'll tell you. We'll shoot first, ask questions later. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I do. Answer questions later. Answer questions later. Yeah. Shoot first and then surrender and then (laughs) answer the questions that come. That's how I do it. Uh, So... In this case, I said, someone mm. said, well, why are these cones so big? Mm. And I, I was like, I don't know. There are three species that we already touched on, the tory pine, yeah. the coulter pine, and the ghost pine, that all grow in southern central California. They say that this is used to be endemic to California, mm. but it actually has several trees that have been found growing in the, uh, the southern areas of southern Oregon. Ah. The southern areas of southern Oregon. Yeah, that's sure. right. Yeah. 
and it's a um, it's just up in those like Josephine County kind of areas, Gold okay. Hill, if you've ever heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's in that area, but a lot of them have been cut down. Some of the oldest trees, allegedly, I was told a story, they got cut down because they were putting in I-5. Oh, jeez. And so someone said, oh, no, 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 you can't cut down these trees. Like, this is like an ancient grove of trees that are so rare in Oregon. Don't do that. Lo and behold, the trees were all cut down like a week later. And now we have a freeway. Tragic. Yeah. So I can't, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that is a 100% true story, but this is what I've heard and none of it surprises me. Well, the guy, the guy driving the bulldozer was colorblind. Oh, that's right. He was colorblind. So he couldn't see the flag. <laughs> you can only that use were... that so many times, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, why is every bulldozer driver colorblind? <laughs> can we get a test for this somehow? <laughs> Um, so they, um, they are now considered and have been for a long time, uh, California endemic species, Okay. but it really should be considered Californian floral floristic province endemic species. Wow. It just so happens that that perfect flat line that delineates the state of Oregon from the state of California mm-hmm. is like a latitudinal line. It means nothing. Like, sure. It, they didn't say, okay, the Siskiyous, that's where the line is. Everything below the Siskiyous oh, is I you, see. everything above them is us. Okay. This was, they just said, okay, at this exact latitude, yeah. that is the line. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no environmental delineation yeah, to go it, along with it. Exactly. Or reasoning to go right? along with it. Right, the bioregion kind of thing. Sure. So when you say something is a California endemic, it's like, okay, yes, I see that. The Torrey Pine's a perfect example. It grows like south and north of San Diego and like some islands, and that's it. Hmm. Versus something like this, where, oh, it's a California endemic, but it's only that because you drew the line like exactly where you did. Right. But really... It should actually go a little bit more, a little bit different. Like, it should be endemic to California and Oregon. But people don't say that about it? No, I know. I've not read it, even though in our notes, there's a whole thing about the history of it in Oregon. Interesting. So I think people just haven't updated it yet. Okay. Because you don't find it in Oregon natively anymore, but it used to be. We just cut them down. So is it still considered endemic? Now, this is a question for another time, Alex. Wow. Yeah. That is something we're not going to even get into right now. Okay, fair enough. But we will get into the fact that where it grows is a very hot environment. Mm -hmm. So it has this ghostly appearance because that is essentially an adaptation for this really warm Mediterranean zone where... The the things that you see, like you 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 know colors very well. You're a very color oriented person, sure. In terms of like design, right? Uh huh. So if someone was gonna say, okay, give me a a cool color uh, palette for the Southwest, like a desert Southwest kind of thing, what would you think of? Uh, I would think of pastels. Okay. Lots of purple mm. and maybe a little touch of pink. I feel like the purple would be up on the, the kind of the sky a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like a sunset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and then of course you got your like sand color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which you just call sand. Yeah. That would be like a light tannish gray mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then if you were thinking, so you have the pinks as well. Yeah. So would you add in something like a light blue, like turquoise kind of thing? Yes. Right. Like yeah. almost the color of your hat you're wearing right now. Yeah. Kind of blue green like sea green exactly yeah seafoam green mint green that kind Mm -hmm. of thing exactly and that is not something that is unique to the southwest but it's unique to places that have plants growing in them that are adapted to a warm climate interesting and a lot of hot weather 
Yes. Alex, <laughs> Alex was like, huh. Well, I was, I was going to start adding things to it, but I, I stopped myself because I'm like, just let Casey finish his thought oh, before wow. interjecting <laughs> all this. I, and I stopped my, my thought so that you could say something. <laughs> this is like those two little mice. Oh, no, you first. <laughs> You know what I say? Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Let's get out of Thank here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Uh, Alex, 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 Alex. I can't let that happen. I can't. I just can't. In good in good conscience. We still have at least six more ads we need to play. <laughs> Understood. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a it's a legitimate thing that everyone sees. So the color palette that you found or that you just kind of described. Uh-huh. That would be something that people would recognize in the same similar places across the world. Sure. They would see the same color yeah. palettes, whether that is in the Middle East or in Australia, in central Brazil or any of those other desert kind of spaces. And it's because a lot of these plants will develop very light colored foliage because light colors do not absorb as much as dark colors. Right. So they will get. Yeah, the, we just talked about this. We did last in week. Depth, right? yeah. But this is a little bit different. Where um, they're they're not so much doing the 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 absorption of the of the the light in this case. It's more the heat that is coming with it. Sure. So if you're out standing in a white shirt versus a black shirt, you know, and you can actually I've I've seen an experiment where someone took little um, like squares of fabric mm-hmm. they were of different colors on the spectrum, laid them out in uh, in the middle of the day over a bunch of freshly uh, fallen snow. Hmm. And let the sun shine down on it. And then they would measure how much it melted underneath each of them. And it was very uh, linear progression going down where white, almost nothing at all. Yeah. As you went over and went through the entire spectrum and then went to black, black had sunk down significantly. more Because it just absorbs the heat. Interesting. So desert plants grow lighter colors so that they do not soak up the heat of the sun. Exactly. That's and that is why this looks like a ghost. It's oh an ephemeral thing. God, Casey. Yeah, isn't that fun? This is so fun. Yeah. That was a definition the definition of a fun fact. Yes, that's what I'm here for. So your podcast has like fun facts. That's what you do, just fun facts. <laughs> did I say that to you? Did, yeah, you oh told God, me that. Did I tell everyone else this? <laughs> Casey uh, went to an, a, a function at a botanical garden and he somebody asked what he does for a living and he said, "Well, I'm I have a podcast I have a podcast about trees, about trees and other related topics." And their response was Oh, so like fun facts? Yeah, I was very upset by that. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just looked at him as like, this is not even a hill I'm willing to climb, much less die on. So I was just like, yeah, it's, it's, we have more to it, but yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, I don't think we got a new listener. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Never so, say that about <laughs> anything, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's very like, oh, it was, I felt like I just got a pat on the head. Yeah, That's it's fine. It's very condescending. <laughs> Um, so the other thing that I love about this tree in oh, terms yeah. of where it's growing and how it's growing is I told you this foliage is very droopy. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought like, oh, it must be de- de- uh, like getting dry, getting desiccated. Now this was my idea because we've talked about turgor pressure. Yeah. And how turgor pressure is like when a, a leaf stands out straight. Yeah. Horizontal. If that plant gets dr- a little dry and thirsty, that leaf will will kind of sag. Yeah, wilts. Because there's water pressure shooting through the leaf when it has enough to drink. Exactly. Making it firm and straight. Yeah, that's exactly right. But... Not in this case. Okay. So in this case, it's actually 
probably more of an adaptation for the tree. It might be literally that the tree is resting, so it doesn't need to have the turgor pressure as much. Sure. So that could be the case. Now, the tree doesn't want to be, you know, too dry, but it actually works in its favor either way because as it's hanging down, it has more of a vertical orientation. Mm -hmm. Now, vertical orientation is good because when the sun is coming up and going over and then going back down, when it's the height of the day, it's shining straight down. So it's actually glancing sideways off the wow. leaves. There is, um, there's, uh, what is it? They call it magnetic um, termites. I think it's in Australia. Magnetic termites? Yeah. Now, I, I, I told you, I've been getting, a, and I'm going to re- reveal it here on the podcast. Please. One of my greatest shames recently is that I'm I'm kind of having an ADHD phase with Marvel stuff. Don't be shamed. It's okay. I'm so sorry to Everyone's all, fine. everyone. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, geez. Everyone just collectively turned off the radio. <laughs> Shit, Alex. <laughs> but magnetic termites. Yes. Sounds like something that a supervillain would use to like collapse buildings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be good. What are magnetic termites? They're not near as cool. Well, not- they actually are just as cool for completely different reasons. Sure. They Nature in itself is just kind of cool for different Thank you, reasons. Alex, that is gorgeous. Well, so these put are put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, will, Quote yeah. me. Nature <laughs> is cool by itself for a bunch of different reasons. Alex Cruz. <laughs> I think that would make a killer uh, shirt. I'd wear it just with a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> well, these these so these termites, Alex. They're cool because. They, they build these giant, like, 10-foot mounds oh, that yes. are magnetically oriented um, east-west, I think? No, north-south. Mm. North-south, south, north. They're, they're oriented. I can't remember which direction off the top of my head because I have to do the math of what it would be like. Okay. But essentially, they grow and are oriented such that in the morning, so it would be in the east, uh, they are flattened. And they are kind of like these big, long monoliths that are kind of big and flat. Like, just take your hand and put your put your palm upwards. I'm doing it. Now, if the, the your wrist was the ground, the sun comes in from one side, mm-hmm. and it hits and warms up that side. Okay. Then as the sun raises and goes up to midday, mm-hmm. it's shining directly down. It just glances off and only directly hits the very top of your fingers. Okay. So the rest of your hand's not basically getting hit directly with any sun at all. It's not getting... It's not getting too hot. Then, as it goes over to the other side... For like a minute, though, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, for an extended period of time. So you're not like... Imagine if your palm is flat. It's getting the straight beating of the sun all day, every day. Okay. So it's just minimizing it, however, whatever that time is. Okay. So as it's vertically oriented, the two things happen. One, you get warmth on one side of of the thing. Then as it goes up, you get warmth on the other side. Then you have the other side in shade. Sure. So then those animals, uh, the little termites can like move from one side to the other to maintain the perfect temperature oh, wow. for wherever they want to be. Oh my God. Yeah, it's brilliant. And also it helps they, the way they have it. Is, the whole design of it is a scientific anomaly. Like they're wow. fascinating creatures. That's amazing. So our tree does a similar thing where if it's hanging down, it's always going to be blasted by the sun from only the sides. But then as the midday comes, then they're more getting glancing blows. And there's always going to be some side that's probably more or less in the shade. Interesting case. Yeah. Can I, can I propose a, uh, a theory to, also, to why that's also good? You may. But it's, it, 
it's you're immediately going to poke a bunch of holes in it because no. it doesn't make any sense. That's not true. In your mind, you will. Okay. Maybe not out loud to my face. <laughs> uh, I'll go back in my journal. Alex's theory was pretty dumb. <laughs> Don't know what to say. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking like if it rains, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rain will come down and hit those needles and mm. immediately roll straight off into the basal region around. The, Casey's trying not to laugh. No, I'm not. You're smirking. I'm smirking, saying that's probably accurate. Okay, okay, okay. I I, I read your I read your your childish grin as like <laughs> trying not oh, to laugh at my dumb, dumb theories. No, I think that is a perfectly fine theory. Okay, but I instead don't, of like landing on the needles and then just staying there and evaporating. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is probably accurate. Like I, if not the official cause. I think it's like uh, success by a, a thousand different things. It's a happy accident, maybe, or yeah. or, or a, 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 sim, a, a side effect that's like, yeah, that helps. Yes, I, but see, that's evolution. It's just all these small little things happen to work a little bit better. Sure. What was the main purpose of it? Sometimes it's very clear and obvious. Other times it's like, no, this just happens to be something that works really well right. and solves like six problems at once. Yeah. So I think you're not far off. Or one problem solved by with six solutions yeah, which is definitely evolutionarily uh, sustainable yeah. <laughs> well you know they cross over yeah they, there is there's some crossover there so another couple of cool things about this tree wow i love these kinds about. of episodes i'm we, so glad you do fun, you know we just have fun facts on this show just, this is our fun facts episode <laughs> oh it's gonna get a, it's gonna get a little fun after this <sighs> so the uh this tree alex uh-huh. i love i do like these too because i could be like well and here's one more right <laughs> and i'm like one more when's it gonna end interesting yeah yeah exactly and you don't know which is great and then i'm like when's it gonna end yeah but see my job is to keep amping them up each time so by the time i get to the last thing you're engrossed and yes and you have to stop one before i get sick of it exactly yeah because then then the whole thing then you end up just editing that out anyway so (laughs) fair enough uh right so this tree is fire uh it's a fire adapted tree sure now, fire-adapted tree, uh, let's take the knob cone pine, for example, or the hmm. lodgepole pine. Knob cone. Knob cone pine, yeah, which is uh, Pinus attenuata. It's another tree that grows down in this kind of area in Northern California, Southern Oregon, the Siskiyous, the Kalamaths. And it's a tree that has these much smaller cones and much smaller seeds. So, big cone, this is what I was talking about where I, I kind of t- said to some people, like, ooh, here's a thing, this is me backing it down. I said the cone probably got really big because there might have been megafauna that were eating the seeds Mm. and eating the cones. Then the cones grew these spikes to basically be like, back off, baby. Don't eat this. Wow. That's not true. Okay. Because why would they, why would that that happen? There's no like succulent thing to make the animals say, oh, I'm going to eat that so that then the seed can be passed through and be planted. Right. It's not, it's not like a fruit. Exactly. It is sort of the fruit of a conifer, but it's it's not like a yummy, it's not as Paul F. Tompkins would say, something you pop in your mouth and go yum, yum. Yes, exactly. You have it perfectly. (laughs) So because of that, this is, I I had to go back and think like, okay, well, why is this the case? And it turns out that these three trees have such large seeds with vestigial wings on it, which means they just, they they don't do anything. It's like a a, um, 
Oh, Dodo has vestigial wings. Ah. They're so small, it doesn't do anything. They're just, they happen to be there when the bird evolved. But now they've unevolved the use of them. They just don't need them anymore. It's like our appendix. Exactly. Our tailbone. Exactly, Alex. You get it. That's perfectly right. Cool. So this is these little wings that don't do a whole lot. The seeds are too big. So if they fall, the wings don't do anything at all. They just fall straight down. Hmm. Whereas other seeds with uh, wings on it that are a little larger, the seeds themselves are smaller. Then they actually like... Will twir- twirl down uh, like a little helicopter, uh, like a little uh, Samara off a maple tree. Yes, yeah. So this tree doesn't do that. None of these three do in this family. Hmm. Big seeds that get taken by birds, specifically the scrub jay and the stellar's jay for wow. our tree, the ghost pine. Okay. So these two species of birds, which by the way, I need to register this with everyone. Are you ready? My favorite bird is the scrub jay. I love them. Wow. They're so fun. Mark it down. We'll have to talk about this some other time. Okay. I, we still have a whole other section that I want to get to quickly, and you're going to pop off when we talk Oh, my about God. It. So the scrub jay is a bird that likes to live in these, these kind of uh, middle habitats. They like the little woodland kind of areas. Okay. They live in the cities all the time. They are perfectly fine with like open spaces with little shrubs, little trees, other things over here, and they just kind of cruise around. They're the ones that are like light, uh, light blue with, uh, with like white on their chests and things. Oh yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now. Yeah, they're they're the ones that you see all the time hanging out and just like doing weird stuff, and they are like like that kind of eyes. Even up here. Oh yeah, they, there's some that are right next to my house. I sit on my porch all the time and watch them. Huh. At dusk, they just kind of chill and like catch bugs. Like Aww. they're just so much fun. Cool. They're corvid, so they're very closely related to crows and things. <sighs> Wonderful. And those are, I think, my favorite bird uh, bird group. That's mine too, yeah. Casey. Oh, yes, crowson. <laughs> Um, and then the Stellar's Jay is a very closely related species, but mm. that's the one that's like dark blue with the big black, uh, like sash on its head, like this big, uh, tall thing of feathers that go down the middle. Okay. Yeah. It's like, its head is like dark, dark black. Yes. I always confuse this for like a blue Jay, but I don't know if we have blue Jays yeah, here. Yeah. And, and honestly, we, we call them Jays, but I think a technical blue Jay is from a different space. Yeah. But yes, I agree. I used to always call them just blue Jays. I think it's an Eastern bird. I think you're right. So these little birds will go collect these seeds, and between the two of them, they actually do the job of dispersing the seeds because this tree will get killed by fire, and it will not re-sprout. So mm. it just is dead. Other trees, the knobcone pine, it will re-sprout because its cones are serotonous. So fire comes through, then it opens it up, and then bloop, 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 they all fall out, and then you have a new tree scrub. Okay. Your scrub jays will take seeds from one tree and move it around kind of close to where that tree is, and then some of those will end up growing. The stellar's jay is a much more intense flyer, so it will take trees from one grove and go several kilometers and then plant it somewhere else. Seeds. Seeds, yes. What did I say? Trees. But oh, God. It's essentially the same thing. It's essentially the same thing. It's a proto-tree. That's right. Um, so, yeah, that's what they do. They move these seeds around a long distance, and then the other one moves them around a small distance. So between the two of them, wow. they are constantly moving these trees to new habitats. And the trees have developed this whole big cone because they want these big seeds that are liked by these birds. Uh, yeah, but it's just, it's one of those, it's one of those <clears throat> fancy things. Like, I that just, is really interesting. It's, it's a bird dispersal mechanism that's like kind of unique from a bunch of others. So like even the white bark pine, it's the same thing, but they're not like dealing with fire. Mm. They're just having this bird that made this relationship. And now that bird works with this tree and that 
works. Yeah. This one is just a little bit different because there's, they throw in this consistent frequent fire that helps move things around and like start the process over again in a weird way. That's great. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's very smart. Now, another thing, Alex, about these wow. seeds. Is this the grand finale? This is the grand finale. Oh my Everyone gosh. buckle up. I'm so excited. The grand finale of the Pinus Sabiniana. This tree used to be called the d- pine. Wow. And feel free to bleep that out. That's fine. It is a derogatory pejorative term for the native peoples of Central California. Oh, shit. Okay. Now, um, it has been in common parlance for many years, and it's derogatory because native peoples very consistently would eat tubers and bulbs and things, and so they would have digger sticks, and that is not a pejorative term. They are sticks used for digging up roots. So sure, okay. they, they would do that and it would be, it's just very common. Everyone does that. People's everywhere have done this for thousands of years. Up here we have camas. That's the big thing that people's in the Willamette Valley would eat. Man, white people will turn fucking anything into a derogatory right? term. And you, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to make the jump from a very offensive word for African-Americans. Yeah. So it, it played off of this. Wow. But it wasn't the exact same term. So it, it's not like, oh, no, 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 don't say that. It was this, you know, like uh, the football team from Kansas City. You know what I mean? Mm. Or I'm sorry, not Kansas City. The, also them, but the <laughs> football team from Washington, D.C. Uh, the Oh. Yeah. Feel free to bleep that out, too. So this was a term that over the last several decades, people have been like, stop, like don't use that term anymore. And they would call it that because these big seeds were a huge part of the diet of all the native peoples in central Mm. California where this tree grew. So they would collect the seeds and they would make them into all sorts of different things. They taste and have a flavor like the um, Italian stone pine, which is what you have in pestos most often. Sure. So they're very good things. And so they would call this tree the d- pine. And when I learned about this, and like, I was like, why, why is that? That name feels wrong to me, but I don't know why. Yeah. It took zero time to figure it out. And then I was like, we can't call that anymore. And there's a bunch of people. Uh, I read one thing by Donald Lanner, who's a, a, a great dendrologist. And he said, dendrology is not, uh, does not need to perpetuate. I, I, I miss, uh, I'm uh, paraphrasing this a little bit but he said dendrology does not need to perpetuate historic insults therefore there is no reason we need to keep calling this tree this name hell yeah and they have all proposed gray pine i just think that lacks imagination as i said (laughs) earlier so yeah i mean if you (laughs) that's an overcorrection it is yeah so it's a little bit much and ghost pines right there people called it ghost pine it has got a lot of different names so I was like, okay, cool. And this made me, this started to get me think. I was like, okay, Alex, we're going to do the show. We're going to be about ghost pine. How can we pull in, you know, ghosts and spookies and things like this? Sure. And first thing I thought of is, you know what? Sometimes to, to have a tree that we call the ghost pine is to leave its past and let that be a ghost. Mm. We're going to call it a different thing and let that happen. It then got me to look into the name of this tree to begin with, Alex. And this is really what I thought was fun. So... Sabiniana. You'll notice I've said that several times with a bit of a uh, Sabiniana. You know Sabiniana. what I mean? Sabiniana. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually would spell it two different ways. One Who's is they? so the 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 taxonomy folks okay. in the world, those okay. scientists. So right now it's spelled S A B I N I A N A, and it has historically been. Uh, written a different way. It other the other way was with an e 
instead of an I. Sabinayana? So essentially, the name, uh, it is this argument about, uh, I'm sorry, it was spelled S-A-B-I-N-E-A-N-A, Sabinayana, rather than Sabinayana. Right. Now, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole about this. As you do. as, As one does. And it turns out that A, they were arguing over a dead language, let's remember this, during the Roman times. They would say, hey, go, you're a part of the Roman Empire now. You can still speak your same language. We don't care. But the official, the administrative stuff, that's going to be in Latin or in Greek if you're over on that other side. We'll, okay. let, we'll let both of those happen. So as the, the empires fell and changed and the world became different, languages changed in the vernacular language like French, English, German, they became what everyone talks. But in the scientific worlds... They kept using Latin in the religious worlds and all these like higher level things, so to speak. So Latin, of course, became the de facto thing for botany and stuff. So all of the Latin names that we talk about now are just this, again, vestigial language that we're working with. So everyone was arguing, well, technically, because Sabiniana is from a person who's a man, the specific epithet should be masculine because you're naming it after that person. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. (laughs) What? And so I ended up finding an article that talks just about this. It's in our, our, uh, our, um, our show notes. Yeah. And essentially what they are talking about and what they noted is a all trees as a thing, are feminine. Wow. All trees, except for the scientific name for, um, for maples, Acer, that is, that's um, uh, neutral. Okay. But if you are talking about a tree, you say, that tree over there, that tree, tree is feminine. So in the language of Latin, trees are feminine. Wow. Now, Alex, if you go through and read some of the things about how we name scientific trees, mm-hmm. the genus, the first part, has to match with the specific epithet. The specific epithet has to match with the genus in terms of the old Latin gendered term. Sure. Male, or rather masculine and feminine. Yeah, Spanish is the same way. Exactly, because it's very, very influenced of Latin or mm-hmm. by Latin. So you have uh, certain things. So uh, genus names derived from Latin, and I'm reading from this uh, article by um, Sura Jesselson. And Sura says that genus names derived from Latin that end in U.S. are masculine. Ends, words ending in A are feminine. Okay. Words ending in um, U-M, are neutral. So if you are making a Latin name, then you have to make sure that the specific epithet matches the uh, the other name, Quercus rubrum. So putting the, or I'm sorry, Quercus rubra. Now, I went down a rabbit hole about this for two reasons. One, I wanted to talk to you about the fact that all of these names have all these weird conventions, uh-huh. depending on if it is a Greek genus name or a Latin genus name. Wow. Then if you add someone's name into it as an, as a, uh, an honorific, uh-huh. and you say, ah, oh, Menzizii, that also has to match. But if the Menzizii person is a masculine, is a man, then that can stay. And then you don't necessarily have to match it because you're doing it in a certain way, but if it comes from Greek, then there's like four other things that are masculine versus four other things that are feminine. And it became this like, what the hell? 
what is going on? It is mind-blowing. And they had this huge discussion in the, the realms of like, should this be an E or should this be an I? Because Sabine, which is this guy who also, by the way, David Douglas mm-hmm. um, is the one who found this tree and initially described it. First found in Oregon, by the way, but he lost it in the Rogue River. He lost all of his notes. Oh, shit. So he, then he found one like five or six years later in California. It was like, oh, yeah, sweet. Okay. Did that. Yeah. Poor guy had a rough life, you know? So he, um, rough he, death, too. He, oh, yeah, everything about his life was either perfectly great or really kind of rough. Yeah. Thanks, David. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. He, he, so he ended up naming it after this guy named Sabine, Joseph okay. Sabine. And I think it's Sabine. It's S A B I N E. Okay. So that guy apparently did not care for David Douglas at all, but David Douglas thought he was a god. (laughs) It's very tragic. That is really tragic. But so he ended up naming this and a couple other things after him. But the Latinized version of Sabine is Sabinius. So they would then say, okay, well, if it's Sabinius, then we need to make that from us, U.S., Uh which is again, I think it's feminine. They had to switch that over to be a masculine name because of Pinus ending in U.S., which is masculine, even though the tree itself is considered a feminine object. (laughs) So, what? (laughs) We are at the end of the episode talking about this tree. I just wanted to whet your appetite for two things. It's fucking insane. One... We're going to go through one of these things someday, uh-huh. and we're going to, I, I promise I will give it in a way that is palatable. Okay. And I'm going to say, here are the Latin things. Here's the trick to the code of how we name trees. I had no idea this was happening. I, I knew about it, Alex, in the back of my head. I and knew there's masculines and feminines. I didn't. And I just was like, you know what? I, I don't know this well enough. I'm not going to talk about wow. it. But when I was looking into this, I was like, what is in a name in this tree? Hmm. That's kind of this genesis. And then I was like, hey, I wanted to talk about all these things, like ecologically speaking. But then I was like, well, what is in a name? And you have this common vernacular name that's super offensive to the point where there's actually a tribe in Central California that made, I think it was in 1926, they made an effigy and wrote on it D-I-G-G-E-R wow. and then burned it and danced around it. Changing. Nice. So I was like, hell yeah, Holy go shit. for it, you guys. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's really a, a completely awful name that I'm so happy we are finally getting rid of. But it was also like, okay, well then what else is in this name? And I kept looking down and every place you see, they, they, everyone's like, oh, a note about the scientific name of this tree. Mm. And it's this argument about like masculine and feminine and like, what does it come from? Dead Greek or dead Latin and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, what is in a name? I have a question. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> That's the Alex Croson I love. <laughs> that was our fascinating conversation on the ghost pine. We have to review... And rate this tree and give it a impose upon it a numerical number to to determine its worth. After all that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the fuck is our show? Uh, but we gotta do so after a break. We'll be right back with completely our boo tray. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to Completely completely Arbitrary. Should I redo that? No. Okay. That was our discussion of the ghost pine. (laughs) Pinus sabiniana. Uh, Casey, it's time for our review. That's right. Here's how it works. We're running a little long on this episode. Yep. So we're going to get 30 seconds. I think we should, yeah, I think we should limit it to like uh, a tweet's worth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Excuse me, an X post. Here's how it works. We're going to have some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10. Golden jack-o'-lanterns That's right. of honor. Casey, as a <laughs> resident expert, will begin with you. Awesome. So I gave a lot about this tree already. I think this tree is spectacular. Yeah. I think it is simultaneously under and over planted. Here's why. Wow. This is not a good tree to have on a street. Fair. It just is not. Oh yeah, of course. It's dropping like like uh, small watermelon sized cones yes. with sharp points all over the like place. Like personal seedless watermelon size. Exactly. Do not do not have this uh, growing anywhere that you are concerned about it hitting something or someone. <laughs> Fair. However. If you're not worried about that, you should definitely plant this tree. Yeah. It takes all the cool conditions. It's a, it's a fun anomaly. You know, like you see a tree that does something wild and you're like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. So it's... It's doing something new. It's doing something new. And I like that. I think it's beautiful. It doesn't have the, uh, the effect of like make a big shade canopy kind of thing. So I'm like, eh, it's a novelty of a tree. It's part of like being a tree. Yeah. Because that provides shade, right? Right. And this one, because of its growth habit, really doesn't. Yeah. Like it's kind of the point. Sure. So I'm going to give this an 8.0. Wow. Right there down the middle. Nice. So I think it's a fantastic tree. Don't plant it too much. Don't plant it too less. Leave it alone and certainly just admire it when you find it. Yeah. And pick up one of these cones and take it home with you because they are just so fun. I they just are really great. love these trees. Can I, uh, 8.0, 8.0, yeah. golden jack-o'-lanterns of honor. I, I have to say about this cone, this will be my review. Okay. I love this tree. I love that the cone is sort of like, if the Coulter pine cone uh-huh. was like the original like computer you know, like this thing, this huge machine mm. that was unwieldy and only experts could deal yeah, with it. You had to bring it in on a cart yes. with a horse. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this this uh, ghost pine cone is like the first Apple home computer. Oh. It's like refined. It's mm. smaller. It's easy to look at. It's easy to hold. Mm-hmm. You, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I do, yeah. It's, it's a better design, but it still holds the essence of... Of the Coulter Pine. Yeah, I see. And I love that about it. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of a design classic. I would like one, actually. Actually, the reason I don't display my Coulter Pine cone in my home is because it's too big and I don't have a surface to set it on. Uh-huh. And I, I don't want that thing falling on... Yeah. Landed on my foot or something. I used to have some... Uh, you have a shelf above your, your bed. And yes. And it was initially a shelf that I had in my room. And oh, I had... Oh, that's right. Whoa. Yeah. Weird. I had I had a big part of it, and I had a bunch of Coulter pines up there, 
and I, I had to give myself several thoughts and I was like, am I comfortable sleeping underneath all of my <laughs> coulter pines on this shelf? This is literally how people die. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, this, this you could absolutely put on a shelf. It would still hurt, but it's, it's no coulter. Um, a Widowmaker, it's more like a, it's an, I would say it's an ex, ex-boyfriend maker at best. <laughs> I give the ghost pine nice solid 7.25. 7.25. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that quarter there. Yeah, it's not quite a 7.0, not quite a 7.5. Yeah, not quite a 7.56, not quite a 7.4. <laughs> there, there are infinite possibilities of what yeah. it's not. <laughs> but but uh, we yeah. know it is a 7.25. That's right. Excellent. Very confidently. Yeah, I like that. Fabulous tree. I can't wait till you can see it in person, though. Uh, like, not the one that we have here, but like in its native habitat. Sure, I'd love to. I think you'd really dig the appeal of their like their their color flavor. I would love that. Excellent. Casey, that was our review and discussion of the ghost pine. It is time for a very spooky game. Let's make it happen. We don't get too spooked out. I'm I'm gonna lights are on still. This is a house favorite that we've only played, I think, one or once or twice before. Okay. This is Trick or Tree theme song. Oh yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's a good theme song. Nice. In this game, Casey, I will give you a Latin. Uh-huh. Binomial. Ah, Speaking yes, of, yes. Speak okay. of the devil. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Where is he? Spooky. Hail. You will then tell me. Did you say hail? No, I. Of course not. <laughs> you will then tell me if it is a real tree mm-hmm. or if it's a trick, a fake okay. tree that I've planted. I can do this. I mean that in a couple different ways. Are you ready? Oh, I see that other different way. I had to think about that. I was like, is, this, is there going to be some plant here that I'm not uh, not familiar with? What's going on here? Are you ready, Casey? I am ready. Our first trick or tree. Okay. And you have to let me say the name, and then I'll say trick or tree. Yes. That's kind of part of the rules. So that I have fun, too. <laughs> Cruora Biberi. Cruora Biberi. Trick or tree. I think that this is a trick, Alex. It is a trick. Yes. Do you know what, what this uh, tree could be? Kiwara? Kiwara be Barry. It sounds something like Tom Cruise and Drew Barrymore got together and mm. created a Latin binomial. It's not quite that. Damn. It's close, though. Okay. I'm calling this the vampire cedar. Oh. Kruora is Latin sort of for uh, blood or gore oh. and Biberi is drink. Gross. The blood Biberi. drinker. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like a Berber or a, 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 what in Spanish, uh, Bebe. Beber. Uh-huh. Yes. That ready? was good. Are you ready for your next God, one? See, you know better about language than I do. I have, all I can do is just explain that Latin is completely idiotic. Well, I had to Google all of this. Casey. Well, shoot. I These guess. are finely crafted. Yeah. You did a very good job. <laughs> Pinus Maximinoi, trick or tree? That is a tree. Casey, you are correct. For yes. a bonus point, what is the common name? I believe that that is the Mexican pine. I have thin leaf pine. Is that uh, the same thing? I'm not sure. Where's it from? Do you know? No. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> you might do a quick Google. I might just quick Google that. Okay. That is a tree. You've gotten t- your two for two. Okay, you ready for your next one? Ostrocedrus chilensis. That's. Wow. Oh, trick. 
or tree. Okay, all right, I'm ready. I believe that is a tree. Yes, and for the for an extra point, what is the common name? Uh, say it one more time. Ostrocedrus chilensis. That is going to be the Chilean cypress. That is correct. Do you know the uh, local name for it? Cyprus, because <laughs> they're in Chile. <laughs> there they just call it Cyprus. They just call it Cyprus. This is, uh, the, they call it the Cordilleran Cyprus. Oh, okay, because there's a, <clears throat> I, I understand this. How about this one? Mephitidae, Florida. Mephitidae, Florida. Mephitidae, Florida. Today. I know it's I know it's I know what it sounds like. Trick or tree. I'm happy to spell it. Uh could you use it in a sentence? Wow, look at that. Mephitidae, Florida. I think that's a tree. That sounds like a small tree that I we would probably argue isn't a tree. Casey, this is a trick. What? Florida? You even what is what? Mephitidae. I cannot say that word. It's an A before the E. That's why it's that's why it's weird. Mephitidae. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is the family uh, that skunks are in. Oh, it's a skunk family. Florida is named after the state of Florida. This is the skunk ape. The skunk ape, which is the regional <laughs> the regional uh, uh, Sasquatch down there. That's the regional Sasquatch. Yeah. I honestly, when you first said meth with a, a PH, yeah. I heard meth mm-hmm. for a second, and I thought you were making a joke about people in Florida doing right. drugs, and I was like, that's a little lowbrow, Alex. That is lowbrow. I wouldn't <laughs> so, do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, so that's like their Yeti, essentially? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The skunk it's, ape? It's the regional woodland Yeti, but it's a, it, lives in this, it lives in the swamps yeah. and the Everglades, and it's, the, its whole thing is that it smells, smells like a skunk. Yeah, it's rough. So if you hear if you smell that skunk ape smell you gotta you gotta hightail it wow i love that yeah i've never heard of that before are you noticing a trend uh yeah everything here stinks excuse (gasps) me is there a skunk ape (laughs) do you mean in my apartment yeah no 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 yeah it's just uh (laughs) just playing a trick here i keep a very clean home it looks like there's either a tree or it's a scary monster going like this yeah like like just you know a little grainy a little motion blur yeah exactly I love that video. It's so funny. It's so clearly just a guy. Nah, no way. <laughs> nah, it's real. Next one, Case. Okay. Pinus mortui, variety VV. V-I-V-I. V-I-V-I. Trick or tree? Oh, I think this is a trick. It is a trick. Yes. Okay, hold on. Can I guess this? Yeah. You want to you hear it again? Please. Pinus mortui, variety VV. It is a dead tree that's come back alive. That's right. It's the zombie pine. Yeah! That was so good. That was like the best Latin that we've ever come across. Well done, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. And then Acer or uh, Quercus Eternum. That is still, I think, just incredible. What is, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, you just said Quercus for like, like oak for life. Quercus right. for life. Quercus Eternum. That's so good. Now available as a sticker on arbitrarypod.com slash merch. We have plenty of them. Oh, we never mind. I'm getting the. I'm getting a. I'm getting a nod from our producer. We've taken those off the we merch have store. Sold out of those. <laughs> All right, Casey, ready for uh, next one? I'm ready. Let's do it. Zombie pine. That's so good. Widringtonia, cedar burgensis. That's trick or tree. That's got to be. That's got to be a tree. Like, 
no offense to you, you're very clever, but that's just, that's beyond clever to just pedantic. <laughs> this is a tree. Yes. Okay. Thank God. It's called the Clan William Cedar. The Clan Williams? And I'm, I'm now wondering if it's like a Scottish Highland tree. That would be so good. I don't, I've never heard of it. Hmm. It sounds like something from like New Zealand or Australia. I hope it's real. Yeah, yeah it's real. Okay. I Googled obscure trees because if I go to basic, you uh, get them immediately. I love that. Obscuretrees.com. <laughs> That's Casey Clapp's homepage. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's a niche market. <laughs> all right. You ready for wow. your last? Uh, you have two more. I okay. Think. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, ready. this is the last one. This is the last one. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> I'm ready. Cornus lunaris. Cornus lunaris. <gasps> trick or tree i forget my own rule i know and i'm just sitting here silently also forgetting <laughs> sometimes and being like should, should, should i say something okay all right i cornus lunaris that's right that would mean the moon dogwood i've never heard of that but i wouldn't be surprised but i would also think i would have heard of it it's like a ghost pine type thing it's yeah. like it's silverish or like a big a big circular flower Oh, you know, sure. Like the bracts make like a perfect circle. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's a trick. It is a trick, Casey. Oh, yes. What, what is, uh, what is a moon dog? A moon dog? Yeah. Uh, it's a Frisbee team out of Montana. I know that. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. They call them moon doggies. It's a werewolf. Oh my God. A werewolf is a moon dog. I feel like I, I, this was good, Alex. <laughs> and I actually, I like this one. I like when they have a theme and I'm a little bit sad. Cause once I picked up on the theme, I'm like, okay, what could this be? Yeah. What could this be? But then you, uh, you're probably aware. Sometimes I get on this. Okay. I can figure this out. This must be real. Uh, and then I miss the joke entirely. Sure. <laughs> Everyone else out there is probably like shaking their heads. Like Casey, you are such an idiot. <laughs> I doubt anybody's doing that Casey. And including me. That was so good. Moondog is a werewolf. That's right. Oh, so good. That was Trick or Tree. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy it's time. Halloween. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. Casey, now as you know, we do Q&A episodes on our Patreon. That's right. That's how we get all of these questions. People on our who support the Patreon get to ask questions. And if we don't get to your question on a mainline episode, if it's not selected, like the golden child. It is. And all the other children are sent to the dungeons. That's right. <laughs> or married off to minor lords. <laughs> uh, we we uh, answer all of them in a big marathon record on our Patreon. And we goofed. We missed one, Casey. Yes. This is actually the second time it's happened in the it, last yeah, couple months. It does happen every now and then. Yeah. This one's from Sarah. And Sarah very politely emailed us saying, hey, you forgot my, my question. So, Sarah, here is your question. Salutations, uh, completely arbitrary. Longtime lover and listener of the pod. My question is about citrus greening. Mm -hmm. And then in parentheses, Huang Long Bing, HLB. I work at a nursery in Northeast Florida, and many nurseries around the state are struggling with citrus. Citrus is required to be ISD drenched in Florida and scheduled inspections are made by the state. A lot of nurseries around these parts don't even want to carry citrus anymore because of all the issues. It's freaky, but it's a real issue that the Asian citrus silid. Is that right? Yeah. Silid. Yeah. Silid is wreaking havoc on the citrus industry down here. 
Do you have any hot takes on this issue? Love and appreciate the podcast more than can be described. Thanks, Sarah. Wow. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Casey, what is going on with oh, citrus in Florida? Well, so it's also known as citrus greening, and it's a very, very serious disease for citrus plants. I see. Um, and essentially, it's it's kind of like this disease that causes, uh, it's like bacteria, new shoots, and it causes weird discoloration. So like one side of the fruit's green, the other side of the fruit's the correct color that it needs to be. Oh, wow. And it's just, a, it's also an issue, the psyllids, another insect that causes trouble. So it's just like any disease for any tree that's grown at a mass scale. There's always going to be a big thing. Like there's going to be some insect or disease that just takes off for one of two different reasons. One, the genes are 99% of the time all the same. So if one is susceptible to a disease, they're all the same susceptible. Right. We call that, uh, what is that, monoculture? Exactly. It's a classic problem with monoculture. Sure. So that's one issue. And the other issue is you have everything really tightly packed. So if you have all the same genes, but they're spread way out, then you don't necessarily have one disease or one insect getting all of them all at once, all at the same time. Oh, okay. So if you have some weird clone that like distributed itself across a vast space, each one's probably going to be okay. But if you put them all right next to each other, Mm. then you're jamming them in as close as they can be because you're growing them as a crop rather than a kind of natural forest ecosystem. I see. So Douglas firs grow naturally right next to each other and they're all packed in. But as um, you remember when we talked about um, the white bark pine and we talked with the folks um, at Headwaters podcast. That's right. Yeah. So one of the things that they did in their show, they were talking to a scientist and the scientist looked at a bunch of subalpine fir in a valley and said, if you're looking at this, all of these trees are further uh, genetically apart from each other than all humans combined. Mm. And I was like, whoa, 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 that's a crazy stat. But each one of them is the same species, but they've been growing and doing what they're doing for so long that genetically they are really, really vastly different than each other. So if one gets a disease, it's very likely that another is, is going to be able to do it. So they just, you know, a certain percentage is going to survive all the time. That's the way it works in a lot of different things, but a lot of trees have developed a forest system that has found a balance with these things. Hmm. So when we do something like plant a thousand, you know, trees of any sort right next to each other, we constantly have to deal with this because we're throwing things way out of balance in favor of fruit production. It's literally unnatural. It's quite literally, yeah. So the uh, the ISD is actually a minocloprid. So it's a a kind of... um, pesticide that mm. will kill insects. It's an insecticide. Also, I think it's that. It's a, Honestly, I haven't worked with it in a very long time, so I've fallen down on it. Don't listen to me 100%. But essentially, it's a pesticide of some kind. And so you have to drench it in the soil so the plants start to put out the insecticide or the pesticide out in their leaves so whatever eats it will die. It's a great word, or it's a great thing. It works very well, but you're essentially putting a bunch of stuff, a bunch of chemicals into the soil so that the plants will take it up. And it, it causes harm. It's not uh, organic, for instance. It's very difficult mm. to grow an organic thing because it's just going to get destroyed by whatever disease is out there. So in Florida, of course, it's a huge crop is orange and all these different citrus plants. The issue is the same for all of them. All of the other crops, the pecan, remember we talked about pecan, we talked about this with almonds and olives all over the place. Anything that's grown at such a mass scale, yeah, we got to have different genetics mixed in. 
so that there's never going to be a situation where one disease can come through and wipe out everything. Sure. It does not work with capitalism, though. Capitalism requires <laughs> yeah. these systems to go mm. from one to the next to the next and scale very specifically and make everything a, a industrial system, right? So I am of two minds. I love oranges. You love oranges. Big we, time. We love getting these things. They're delicious. But we have, we've pushed them over this edge and we're dealing with the consequences. Sure. And we've come up with great, fantastic scientific ways to do this. But now there's pushback on that because they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're killing the soil and all the insects and all the biome for this one thing? Is that is that worth it? Do I want to eat that? Do I want to support an industry that does that? Mm. So it becomes this weird moral situation, but it's also a situation of what are we putting into the earth and why are we doing that? Yeah. And is this something we should be doing? Can we come back from this? Is there another method? And inevitably, the other method is diversity, which, my God, that is a term I could talk about all day. Diversity begets stability it's just a, a fact of life so if we were to have two kinds of diversity one not all citrus trees three actually two three three kinds of things one not all citrus trees will have different other fruits growing in this orchard two we will have different kinds of citrus so we'll have different species different hybrids different varieties and then three within those varieties and hybrids and species we will have specific different um different genetics in there hmm. so it's not all a clone of one specific hybrid or species or variety right where we can say ah we're growing all navel oranges but this is a kind of navel orange that was developed over here and this is another one that's over here and this is another one's over there they're slightly different and they might have a little bit better this or that but you are you're spreading your risk out so if an insect comes and attacks one of them you are going to get if you have no more than five percent of any one kind of species or variety or tree then you're only going to lose up to 5%. Sure. It's kind of hedging your bets. Exactly. Is that what that term means? It's exactly what it is. Okay. It's, it's diversifying. It's kind of hedging your bets is like, I'm going to I'm gonna have some other things back here. So if one bet fails, yeah. then I'm not going to be completely destroyed. Instead of putting everything on one bet. Exactly. Not then, all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah. There, are, there are plenty yeah. of these things we could use. Hey, don't grow all the same citrus in your field. You know what I mean? So to kind of come back to the question... My my take on the issue is one from afar. I'm not the farmer there dealing with this. It's not my livelihood. So my thought is you got to change. And that's what capitalism is like. That's the, the, the positive side of capitalism. The market pressures are supposed to lead you to do one thing or another. Yeah. So the market pressure should say, well, if it's getting too expensive and it's ruining your farm, stop doing it and do something else. Farm something else. Yeah, especially if you're like doing serious harm. Yeah, right? And like you're constantly the one putting in these soil drenches. Like there are people who have done this and been exposed to different pesticides and, mm. and chemicals so much that now only years and years later are they realizing that they have some health problem. Oh, or they didn't invest in the correct uh, kind of um, PPE, uh, protective equipment, you yeah. know? And this is not the case. I'm not trying to throw anyone on the bus. I don't know what they're doing. And they may have the best possible way to do this. And they're doing as much as they can. And this is just one side of it or something. I don't know. But it's there's a base fundamental issue that needs to be solved, which is diversifying our crops. Yeah. If we have diversity and if we had 10,000 small farms, each one of them growing two oranges, and then over there that's where they have their oranges, my oranges over here, and you don't have this big mass of acres and acres and acres and acres, then we might have a better buffer in between all these things. For sure. And I could only do a tiny soil drench from my 
orange tree, and then I will sell these at a, a local scale. So it's, it's capitalism pushing and pushing for bigger and better and cheaper and faster when we should be slowing that down and saying, hey, how about we diversify everything from the ground up and then start from there again or at least pull it back and learn that we need to adjust our spending and consumer habits so that we are not in we, we do not expect we're going to have all the most perfect oranges every single year at this exact time well yeah you know i mean we've we've <clears throat> there's so much there's so much wrong with like we uh, like Amer- the american economy mm-hmm. and like the all these industries have given everybody exactly what they want at any time yeah there's a huge cost to that though. Huge. Like like the thing we're talking about right now. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Because because we need oranges in the middle of the summer. Yeah. That tastes like shit anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's a uh, so my my take on that is if we can figure out a good way to do it, yeah. we we should. If we can't, we need to just take a step back, take the loss, accept it, and then move on and do something different and adjust adjust our cultural practices around these kinds of things. Well said, Case. Yeah, and it's like like we said, has nothing to do with, it's not special to oranges. It is an orange disease and an orange situation, mm-hmm. but this is this is throughout everything. Corn, wheat, soybeans, you name it. And it's also everywhere. Hi- history teaches us too, like there is the chestnut blight, you know, yeah. and the emerald ash borer. And that's because we got a little too carried away with one thing that we got so excited about and planted them fucking everywhere. And then a single, all it took was a single one thing. incident and then a huge domino effect yeah. to just destroy so much. Exactly right. So I hope they can solve it. I Me hope too. it can be solved. But if it can't, I think we should I think we should take a lesson like you're saying from history. Well said. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your question. We're very sorry we missed it, but we hope we made it up to you. If you've got a question for us, join up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbortrarypod. You can join at any tier there if you want to support this podcast. If you get to the end of your month, I've said this before, and you think, hey, you know what? The information and entertainment that I got, excuse me, the infotainment that I got from Casey and Alex this month. (laughs) Beautifully said. Terrible phrase. Was worth $5, $10 to me. Consider supporting the podcast. It's how we keep the lights on and it's how we keep new episodes coming out every Thursday. That's right. Of course, the flagship tier of our Patreon is the Cone of the Month Club. It's based on, Casey, the Jelly of the Month Club from Christmas Vacation. I 100% knew that. <laughs> Every <laughs> month we send you a sticker of a conifer cone illustrated uh, by a different amazing artist with a little info card. It's very wonderful. Really we love doing it. And it's the best way to support the podcast. Casey Clap, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Alex. What a what, what a what an episode. Oh my god. I'm yeah. sweating. I'm tired. I am tired too kind of, in a different way. I'm far too excited. <laughs> far too excited there. I also need some dinner. Oh yeah. What are you going to eat? Honestly, I had a giant burrito. Uh, I was downtown today. Nice. And I got a, a carnitas. No, not carnitas. I got a chorizo burrito Ooh. from a place I used to work like two blocks away from it. Wow. So I'd go there all the time to get a burrito and then like drive away and do my work. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. And I hadn't been there for years. And so I was like down there and I'd walk by it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go back there when I'm done with this. And then got a burrito and then I ate that. But it is half the reason it's great. It's like nine bucks and it's like a giant burrito. It's like three meals worth of food. Yeah, in fact, I almost stopped, and then I was like, 
don't do it, Casey. You can't save a little quarter of a burrito. No, you can't do it. Yeah, so I kept going. So oh. I'm actually, I'm quite feeling uh, quite good right now. I'm on the opposite end. I have, uh, I don't think I've eaten a single fucking thing today. God, go get yourself some food, buddy. I will. I will say, as I get older, a burrito, eating a burrito has just become kind of an impossibility. What? Because it just really takes a physical toll on me. Wow. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just too it's it's too much. We chew it. But you, you know what's take well, bites and chew it, Alex. Oh, just put interesting. The whole thing down oh, there. oh, 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 my okay. God. I've been eating it like uh, like Garfield would eat a fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm dunking I'm, the whole thing in my throat. Just pull out the tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Wish you a happy Halloween. Be safe. Have fun. Goodbye. See you guys. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 